0: early September, actually August, you heard Sam refer to it last week. Jasper and I flipped a pen and it went spinning into the sky, well, into the air, and uh, it landed pointing more toward him than me as to be the one who got to preach last week's sermon. And uh, it's just, yeah, church, if you want to hang if you want to hang your souls on any passage, this is the one. Chapter 2 verses 14 or excuse me, 11 through 14, and it says, this is our memory verse, verses, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. I could I have this I was telling Wendy yesterday morning, I have this memorized right down to the punctuation until I stand in front of you. And if I were to walk away from this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know the third word of the fourth verse. So I'm gonna read it for you, okay? Here we go. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, possession who are zealous for good works. Such rich passage of amazing truth of God's grace that has come has provided us salvation, remains with us as he trains us to take on the likeness of Jesus Christ, gives us a hope for the future as he promises his return. And then through all of that, that he saved us, that we would be zealous for the things that he has laid out for us. Calibrated, a church that works is the sermon series that we are in right now. And um, remember, I love that Jasper has called us to this, remembering we aren't working for salvation. We work because of salvation. We know it's through Jesus Christ on the cross and his grace that he extends to us through himself. That is what does the saving work for you and me. And as a result of that, we are called and should be zealous to work for him and to do the things that he has laid out for us. And so um, it's easy to get lost in, if we go back to, I believe it was September 9th. So we're looking at like three months or so of two chapters of Titus, very rich and meaningful and purposeful passages of scripture that we have dissected with you over the course of the last three months. Here's the problem. We we tend to get lost in, I don't want to call it the weeds, we get lost in the wonder of these verses that we break down week after week, detailing what the Bible has to say about how we are supposed to live, what Paul says to Titus to declare these things. And it's often easy to forget, okay, I get it. I understand I'm supposed to be growing in my relationship with the Lord. I'm supposed to be zealous for good works. Praise God for his grace that has saved me. That's absolutely magnificent. But here's what we oftentimes forget. What's the grand purpose in all of this? Why? Why? This is why. Yes, Paul said this to Titus, but way back, not way back, but in Colossians, we see Paul saying to the church of the Colossians this. He says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What's my purpose? That's the way he stated it to the Colossian church. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully and pleasing to him. I want you to bear fruit. Or, as he tells Titus, instruct them that I want them to be zealous for good works. What is my grand purpose in all of this? I'd like us to rephrase that. What is my grand privilege? Yes, there is a purpose in the way we're supposed to live, but this is what makes it a privilege. He goes on to say in Colossians chapter 1, that God, through Jesus, has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Jesus Christ has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. In light. And this is what he has done. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has taken us from that dank, nasty dungeon cell with these chains and shackles on us and he has transferred us To the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. In whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. What is my grand purpose? What is my grand privilege? The grand privilege is this. That we would take on the likeness of Jesus Christ. Because he has taken us from the domain of darkness. And he has transferred us to the kingdom of his son. 2 Corinthians 5 puts it this way, a very familiar passage to everyone. We are ambassadors for Christ. Those who love him, we are ambassadors for Christ. It is God, our grand privilege, it is God making his appeal through me and through you. We implore you, be reconciled to God. Our great privilege as we come into relationship with Christ and receive his grace is simply this, that we would take on the likeness of Jesus Christ, yes, for ourselves, but because of those who are watching in our lives. That's the great privilege that we get to represent Christ to a lost world. That we know one day, Titus chapter two, verse 13, that Jesus is coming back one day And he's going to take home to be with him, him, those who are his. So we implore those in our lives through the way we live and what we speak to be reconciled to God. Jasper ended chapter 2, verse 15, declaring, declaring, yes, verses 11 through 14, exhorting and rebuking with verses 11 through 14, but really the entirety of chapters 1 and 2. Today, and over the next today, next Sunday, three weeks, over the next three weeks, Paul is going to bring Titus to deliver to you and me a reminder, reminder of what he told us in those first verses. How we are, in the first two chapters, how we are supposed to live, why we should be humbled before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and remembering what Christ has done for us, the work of saving you and I from ourselves. So turn to Titus chapter three, verses one to seven. Titus three, one to seven. We're gonna read it together. You there yet? Here's what it says, Titus chapter three, verses one to seven. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another." remind them. First two words of chapter three, remind them. And this is really what it means. It means keep reminding them. Keep reminding them. Titus chapter two, verse 15, which Jasper ended with last week, says, Paul says to Titus, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one disregard you, which is which is harder. Now think about this. Hey, I, I get I get the privilege today of beginning three weeks of reminders. Reminders. Jasper last night or last week was brought to a place where he's he's being told you need to declare to the church, you need to exhort, and you need to rebuke, and don't let them disregard you. So, which is the easier one to do? I don't know about you, but like I'm much more at peace about I'm much more at peace about bringing the reminder. Let Jasper all the declaring. It's not easy to declare. Look at, think of it from this perspective. You're in a relationship with someone, let's say it's your spouse or your parent or your child or a friend in Christ. What's easier for you to do, rebuke or to forgive? I personally would rather forgive someone for doing a wrong to me than it would be for me to come and rebuke them. But here's what the passage says, chapter, chapter 2, verse 15, we're supposed to do this. I'm bringing the reminder, and one of the great fears for the person that sits, stands in front of you is not, not that you would necessarily disregard us as individuals who are declaring the truth. It's that you would disregard the truth that we are actually declaring, Because we know there are those that come into our presence, they listen to the word, they feel good about it, and they go home and they live contrary to what the word of God has to say. Our great fear is that there would be people in our sanctuary every Sunday morning that would listen to the word and then disregard it. It's my hope and prayer as Jasper and I and Bjorn and others that stand behind the pulpit, as we declare to you, as we exhort and rebuke, with all authority that's been granted to us by God, that you would not disregard the message that is being declared. Declare, chapter two, verse 15. Chapter three, verse one, remind. Why do we need reminders? Why do you need to be reminded of the things that you're reminded of and about? Well, first, it's simply because we forget. I remember a guy telling me Why would I go to church? I can't remember what I heard in church 18 years ago. Well, I can't remember what I had for a meal three weeks ago, but I understand this. The steady and regular diet of food in my life is necessary for me to live. And the same would hold true for sitting under the proclamation of and exposing yourself to the word of God is your soul and your spirit will Be unhealthy if you don't remember the things that Jesus says. Remember John chapter 14, very beginning, he says this, let not your hearts be troubled. In John chapter 16, verse 33, these are Jesus's final, final words before he goes to the cross. He said, I have said these things to you, so remember the things that I've said to you, that in me you can have peace. In me you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, you will have tribulation. So remember this, the moments that trouble and tribulation, this is a reminder from Jesus to you. When you have trouble, when you have tribulation, understand this, you can take heart because Jesus through the cross has overcome the world and he is in you, overcome the world. We need reminders because we forget amazing truths like that. Second, because of the domain of darkness. Here we are. Jesus has transferred you, if you've come into relationship with him, into the kingdom of his son, but in the back of your mind is always this reminder of what the domain of darkness has for you. The weakness of our flesh is still drawn to that. That's why we need reminders. Weakness of our flesh is still drawn to that. And the enemy is fully aware of the weakness of our flesh and he wants you to remember some of the, some of the captivating things about the, dark, the domain of darkness. This speaks to the, the importance of fellowship with others, people in our lives to remind us often how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to turn from those things. Third is the grand purpose. We forget Domain of darkness is always lurking, but here's a third reason for why we need reminders. It's because of the grand purpose is always at stake. Our great privilege is always at stake. Imagine now if the guys that stand behind this pulpit were to get up and they would start declaring the truths of this scripture and our lives did not match what we proclaim. Our great privilege is the declaration, your great privilege to those in your life who need to hear of Jesus is the great privilege is the declaration of the truth. That is the message. If you, if your platform and my platform, the way we live does not support the message we declare, then the message means nothing to those who are listening because they're hearing you preach and speak a truth Yet your life is not declaring what you believe. No one's going to listen. No one's going to listen. That's why we need to be reminded the grand purpose is always at stake. And so today's passage, if you're looking at chapter three, beginning at verse one, um, Paul tells Titus, who shares with you and I through this writing, three things to remember, three reminders, three reminders and here's what they are. Remember, remember how God expects you to live. Remember how God expects you to live. Look at verse one and two. Remind them to be what? Submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, To avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So the reminder is coming for us and how we're supposed to respond to those in our lives. First of all, he declares to rulers and authorities. How are we supposed to respond to those who are in authority over us? And then he just, he throws out the blanket statement, all people. Show perfect courtesy toward all people. But toward all people, we are also in the body of Christ to be submissive to one another. We're to be ready to do every good work. We're we're to not speak evil of anyone. There shouldn't be any quarreling. We should all be gentle toward one another and we should show perfect courtesy toward one another. Let's bring this to real life, okay? It's one thing to read it in Scripture and say, okay, this is the way I'm supposed to live. This is the way I'm supposed to be. Let's talk about the rulers and authorities, okay? This is a reminder because Bjorn preached it to us a couple of weeks ago, all right? So let's bring it to real life. A couple of weeks ago, there was a, an election and I'm supposing, I'm supposing that there are some in here, if not many, that were not pleased with the outcome of the election. And you're like, I have to submit to that person again for another couple of years. Wait a minute. Not only do I have to submit to the rule and authority of this person in my life, but I also pay taxes to these individuals that have been elected and placed in positions of rule and authority over me. There There are these proposals that didn't go the way I thought they should go. I don't understand. God, what's going on here? You're telling me that the very people I pay taxes to, that I am going to, that they're going to take the money that I pay and they're going to use it for things things that i just cannot agree with. Can't agree with it. Now i'm supposed to be in submission to them and their rule and their authority. The hard answer is yes. That's what this passage is saying. It's what Bjorn declared to us a couple of weeks ago that is the truth that's a hard one, isn't it? It really provokes us to wonder what in the world God is doing. So let's put it this way. Matthew chapter 22, verses 19 to 22, we see the Pharisees who are trying to corner Jesus, knowing how Israel has been treated for year upon year after year after year by Rome. They try and corner him, and this is what he says. What are we, they say to him, what are we supposed to do about these people that are over us and they mistreat us? Jesus says, show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? Verse 21, they said, Caesar's. It's Caesar's face that's on the coin. Then he said to them, therefore, render, Jesus says, therefore, because Caesar's face is on it, it belongs to him, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So in other words, whatever belongs to those who have been placed in authority over you, we must be in submission to them and we must give to them what belongs to them okay but wait a minute they're going to use it for something i can't agree with i understand completely understand how hard that must be but 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 we need to we need to always remember this we do not possess the mind of god how precious to me are your thoughts O oh god how vast is the sum of them where i'd count them they would outnumber the grains of sand god knows what he's doing in this absolutely knows what he's doing in this What you will be held to account, live with zealousness for the person of Jesus Christ when he's asking you to do this. So whoever the Caesars are in your life, that Jesus has placed over you, that God has placed an authority over you, you render to those Caesars what belongs to them. In this case, in the case that I'm talking about right now regarding the election, yes, you are paying taxes that's going that the money you are paying is going to be used for something that you, cannot, that you cannot agree with. Here's what God wants from you: zealous for good works. He's asking you to do something. He wants from you obedience. He is going to honor you in your obedience. It is not your concern how they spend the money that you have given to them. They will held to be, be held to account by God for the way they use the money that you sent to them. God wants from us obedience then we simply must trust. Who are the Caesars in your life that you need to pay that you, don't, you can't make sense of that God is simply saying, I want you to be obedient to these that I've placed in authority over you? Okay? Leaders. They're the leaders in your life. Now, to all people, we're supposed to be gentle. We're not supposed to speak evil of anyone. We're supposed to be courteous in all things. Real life example... I had, we've had our oldest son and his family in our house from January to August. Then our number two son moved in with his family and they just moved out like a week ago or something like that. So somewhere in the middle of that, I, I have to come to the church now. Well, I had to before, I had to leave but to be here by seven in the morning because kids get up, little kids get up early, right? And so I didn't have a quiet place. There was one morning I got up early. It was like six o'clock. I asked Wendy for permission. She's not the bad guy I am. So I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there in my easy chair right next to the fire. The dog's laying at the foot of the fireplace. I have my journal open. Wendy comes charging down. and She goes, you're never going to guess what happened. So, okay, not little kids. It's my wife now. Courteous to all people. If I keep using myself as an example in our marriage, you're going to think I am just terrible to live with. She sits down on the couch right across from me and she says, you know what You know what happened the other day? I received a card. She's a substitute teacher. I received a card from parents through a child that I substitute taught for and the things that he brought home and the things he said about our substitute teacher provoked them to give a card to me. And I'm like, awesome. I, really, it was awesome. But guess what she wanted to do? She wanted to tell me about that entire day, and I'm sitting there with my journal open ready to take care of my business with the Lord, and you're not going to be able to see this, but this is all I did. I had my reading glasses on, and I raised my right eyebrow like a half a millimeter. (laughs) Now, 20 years ago, it would have been a little more aggressive than that, half a millimeter, but here's what I declared to my wife, you don't matter right now what matters is what I'm about to do right now with Jesus. And he's like, close your Bible, close your journal, you messed up. I am told towards all people, in particular my wife, to be gentle and courteous, to place her needs before my own, and I failed. So what I declare The love that I have for my wife was not expressed. So the word, the truth, was not held up by my platform. Why do we do what we do for the sake of Jesus? It's because our platform matters. We have to be reminded You have to live this way with those that God has placed in authority over you and you have to live this way with those that God has placed in your life. Why? Because of what he has done for us, rescuing us from the domain of darkness. It's hard, isn't it? Those first couple of verses are hard. I need to be this way toward those people. Here's why. Here's why. We're coming to the second reminder. Here's why. It's because of this. It's that we think more highly of ourselves than we should. And so God, through the pen of Paul, to Titus, to me, to you, through the word of God right now says this. This is the second reminder. Remember how you used to live. Man, it's real easy to point a finger at those who are in in authority over us. It's easy to point a finger at those in our lives that don't treat us the way we think we should be treated. It's easy to point the finger until we remember we have no business thinking that highly of ourselves. We often forget what it would be like to live without the person of Jesus. And he says this, for we ourselves, look, this is us. This is you and me. For we ourselves were once, we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's a solid description of what the domain of darkness looks like. You know, my temptation in that moment when I read that is like, I really want to make the domain of darkness even darker than it really is. Well, well, verse 3 does a pretty solid job, a really awesome job, actually, a spectacular job of declaring, this is what the domain of darkness looks like. So, so imagine right now you don't have the person of Jesus Christ in your life, and then you live in all of the foolishness and disobedience and going after your passions and pleasures, what that produces in your life. Darkness, darkness. Romans chapter one. This is, this is the darkness of life without Christ. For those who don't see fit to acknowledge God, he gives them up to a debased mind, a depraved mind to do what ought not be done. They are filled with, people that do this are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, Covetousness, malice, they're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Domain of darkness. There was a king, 14th king of Judah, back in Second Chronicles chapter 33. This is how dark it got for him. This is how dark it got for Israel, that he actually sacrificed his sons, burning them to death. Domain of darkness. When we turn ourselves over to the fullness of our fleshly desires, The enemy understanding the weakness of our flesh and calling us to feed on the darkness. This is what the domain of darkness looks like. If you live apart from Christ, and right now you're like, shoot, I have the Holy Spirit of God in me and I I still live like this. I still live with foolishness. I'm still very often disobedient and led astray. I still, with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God in me, I still am slaves to so many different passions and and pleasures that I continue to drag along with me from this domain of darkness. I refuse to give them up. Man, there's malice in my heart. I envy things that I shouldn't envy. Man, that government official that I just can't stand the thought of submitting myself to them. Hate and being hated by one another, what a dark place. What a dark place, the domain of darkness. And so the message of verse three is this. Hey, remember, apart from Jesus Christ, remember what you are capable of. Remember, after, since still being in relationship with Jesus Christ, remember what you're still capable of. So that when you're tempted to point the finger at the person that does not have the Holy Spirit of God and say, I refuse to treat you the way I'm supposed to treat you according to the scripture. You remember, hey look, I once was like that. I once didn't, I once didn't have the capacity to make a right decision for Christ. And then he saved me. I remember last week Jasper um, pointing his finger, pointing his finger all right. Sometimes we have a hard time remembering. He goes, hey, the law, the law is the points the finger at you and declares where you're wrong. This is where you mess up. This is where you mess up. And we're like, I don't want to be told where I'm wrong. Come on. Jesus has covered me with his blood. No longer do I need the law to declare to me where I'm wrong. Well, yes, actually we do. Actually, we need to be told, remember what you once were and remember what you're tempted to go after. The law is necessary to point the finger at you and me to show us where we are wrong. Here's where it gets tricky. Remember, weakness of our flesh. The enemy is great at taking the word of God and just beating you with it. Beating you with it. Teaching you that you are no good, that you're never going to get ahead, you're never going to get past that pleasure, you're never going to get past that pursuit, you're always going to be foolish, why do you even try, give it up? That's what the enemy does with the intentional word of God that you and I still need to hear. This is where you missed it, this is where you missed it, this is where, it's conviction. Receive the conviction of the word of God. You know what happened to me? remember that story about Wendy in the card? She went away for the weekend. That night, I can't describe it's top three most disturbing dreams I've ever had. That involved Wendy and me. Disturbing dream. It, it caused a heaviness to wash over me for a day and a half. And someone in my small group said to me, Well, what did you do? And this is what I said. I sat under the weight of the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God in my heart because I need the word to point out to me. I don't want to do that again to my wife. I want her to understand. I want to be courteous toward her and gentle toward her. I want her to understand who she is to me. Not just because I'm commanded, because I, but because I have a desire. I sat under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and praise God, he brought relief, but he also communicated a very strong and clear message Remember, be humbled as the truth declares to you who you are not apart from Jesus Christ. Remember how we are supposed to live. Our platform matters. Okay, so are you feeling like, man, right now I just feel the weight of that domain of darkness. I feel the weight right now of these these things that I continue to go after, oh my goodness, that's still me. I have Jesus Christ in my life, and I still go after these things. Right now, you, you, right now, right now, the, the, the law, the Word of God, is pointing to you and saying, "This is where you're missing it. This is where you're missing it. This is where you're missing it." And the enemy right now is chewing on your ear, saying, "Look, you're never going to get past that one." You're never going to get past that one. Why should you even try? And then, and then, Jesus declares this to you and me. This is the third reminder. Remember how God delivered you. Verse four, these two most magnificent words. But when, but when the goodness we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Look, the domain of darkness versus the truth of this. The domain of darkness has nothing on us. chained and shackled in the corner of this nasty dungeon. It's broken, it's all broken because of the but when. But when? God's fullest expression of his goodness and loving kindness through our savior Jesus Christ as he poured himself out for us on the cross. Because of his great mercy, he washed regeneration. We were once degenerate. We needed renewal. Imagine now, now think about how your body continues to waste away. That is our as we grow. We live in a fallen world. Our flesh is corrupted. It continues to fade away, yet because of this truth, we are regenerated, we are brought renewal, we are given new life through the person of Jesus Christ as he pours himself out on us, justifying us by his most amazing grace and gives us right standing before him and hope of eternal life so that when his glorious appearing comes, we are excited upon upon excitement because we are ready for his coming. What if your life declared these four verses, four, five, six, and seven, what if your life declared this? What if your platform was developed by this instead of verse three? Remember, Church, I think we need to repent. Just gonna say that. I think we need to repent. And this is why. Because we oftentimes fail to remember how God expects us to live. We live in pride versus humility toward those who in particular regarding this passage are in rule and authority over us. And we oftentimes remember that what we've been saved from, you know, when I think about it, those people, people that are apart from Jesus Christ, they're living verse three because they don't know how else to live. They're pursuing their own pleasures and passions. That's what they're doing. And God expects us to be in submission to that. I don't know about you, but here's, here's one. We're going to wrap this up. Here's one. I'm supposed to speak well of them I'm not supposed to speak evil. I'm just supposed to show perfect courtesy. supposed to be obedient. Speaking evil of, I will confess in front of you right now, I have said not so nice things about those who are in authority over me that I don't agree with. Matter of fact, if you can put it in these terms, I have even laughed at videos that express their foolishness. I think God is saying in the moment, shame on you, Todd, for doing that. I feel, the, I feel the finger of the law pointing to me and saying, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that because that makes you just like the world and I'm not asking you to be like the world, I'm asking you to be like me. Remember, God expects us to live in a certain way for him because of what he has done for us. Let's be humble, church, and, rem- and remember and see who we are without Jesus Christ. And then know the amazing truth of what God has done for you and me. What's the purpose? What's our privilege? What's the broader picture of this? Remembering, yes, these things are so crucial for you and me that they come to bear in our lives. So crucial for you and me. My platform, your platform matters. That which holds up the message we are called to declare. And so church, let's together, let's together, Live the way Jesus wants us to live, zealous for the good works that he has called us to. Let's pray. Father in heaven, the but when peace of that passage, Lord, what a peace it brings, as Corey referred to, a peace that passes all understanding, which can be guarded by you in Christ Jesus if our eyes are fixed on you. Lord, may our lives declare you. May we be humbled by the truth of who we know we are apart from you. And then Lord, may we always revel in what you have done for us on the cross of Jesus Christ as we proclaim this amazing truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.